History is the life of nations and of humanity. To seize and put into words, to describe directly the life of humanity, or even of a single nation, appears impossible. The ancient historians all employed one and the same method to describe and seize the apparently elusive, the life of a people. Hi, and welcome to the second episode of The Pod. This show is entitled, Should You Read War and Peace Before You Die? Last week, Chris Ingram and I answered the question for Carl of Knozgaard's My Struggle. Please listen to the episode if you haven't already, and subscribe to the pod and leave a review on iTunes if you feel the spirit of these great times. I'm still tweaking the format, but I've received some great feedback, and I'm excited to keep going. The book I've received the most questions about by far is War and Peace. Some people think the show was even made to answer the question, should you, answer, should you read War and Peace? So let's just get into it now, and I'm going to do it by myself. Um, War and Peace was published in 1869 by Leo Tolstoy. Um, but first, also, I want to give some caveats, which I will stop giving at, after the first couple of shows, but I feel like it's appropriate still now. I'm not a scholar. I haven't read any of your book. I have my built-in biases. It's ridiculous for me to be self-satisfied enough to proudly share the opinion that certain famous books are a waste of time. But I do think I can help. I've slogged through many big books and came out the other side thinking, I simply can't recommend this book to my friends. And that's what, that's the reason why I started the show. Um, so let's uh, dive into war and peace. Uh, I came to the book after I uh, received a really nice version um, for the holidays about 10 10 years ago. Um, uh, it is the uh, version that's um, translated by Richard Pavir and Larissa Volkonsky. Um, it is 1,296 pages long, more on that later. And also, interestingly, it was not translated, obviously, by Constance Garnett, who many scholars, despite her hard work, blame for um, kind of translating Tolstoy and Dostoevsky to sound very similar. So there's generations of American readers like me who have trouble distinguishing Tolstoy's prose from Dostoevsky's prose, even though in Russian they are um, uh, universes apart. Um, so I wanted to read this edition um, as an antidote to that, um, though, of course, I can barely tell the difference because I don't speak Russian. Um, the book sat on my nightstand like it does for many people for, for many years before I got started. Um, um, but then I finally did. So here are three cool things uh, about uh, War and Peace. Um, the first one is that you learn about the Great Patriotic War of 1812, though Tolstoy is clearly the head cheerleader and revisionist historian for Mother Russia. You know, in America and in Western Europe, we are, sorry, Eastern, uh, yeah, Western Europe, we are focused on 1812 as the year that the English uh, attacked D.C. and burnt down the White House. But uh, further east, it was also, of course, the year that Napoleon um, attacked Moscow. Um, the Russians were uh, dead to rights at the time. They didn't know what to do. Russia has never been conquered. Um, so the book goes into great detail, and it's quite fascinating uh, 
to detail what happened in real life is that the the Russians um, fled 70 miles to a city called Borodino, scorching the earth and burning the wooden city during the exodus. The French kind of enter Moscow and can't really tell what's going on. And uh, they're shocked and they get drunk and they loot, but there's no one there and they don't know what's going on. Finally, they get their wits about them and they figure out that the Russians are on board. You know, they travel 70 miles in the cold to fight the Russians on board, you know, which they do. 72,000 people on both sides die. Um, the French gain a, a hull of victory there as well. They stumble back to Moscow and wait for peace terms from the Russians that, that never come. And it, sh it shows kind of how the Russians absorbed the attack um, and with their pride, ingenuity, and their sacrifice were able to, to conquer Napoleon in, in their own kind of uh, distant way. I'm going on and on about this, this battle, but it, it's 100 pages in the book and it's extremely well rendered. Um, it will serve as an excellent proxy for you know, your history of that war, you know, despite being one-sided. Um, it's just really uh, beautifully written and, and the pages co come to life. Um, the second cool part about the book is if you, like many people, including myself, have a strange Napoleon obsession, you get a lot of catnip here, except that again, it's extremely tinted toward the Russian perspective. So I have a weird thing where I get excited when I see like famous people or you know world leaders appear randomly um, in a novel. Um, you know, good examples of that would be in Saul Bellow's Adventures of Augie March. The, the main character finds himself in Mexico, kind of slumming around, and then he just bumps into Trotsky. And um, that kind of symbolizes, uh, since Trotsky was hiding from, you know, his Russian uh, compatriots um, before he was assassinated, kind of signals like his move away from the left a little bit. Um, that's always fun. Um, in this North Korean dissident fiction book of short stories by this person uh, named Bandy, B-A-N-D-I, uh, the book is called The Accusation, um, a kind of small, tragic a North Korean boy bumps into Kim Jong uh, Il, I believe, the father, who invites him into his into his taxi cab uh, for a talk. Um, you know, ten years ago, even though it's fiction, um, super duper exciting. Um, so, you know, anytime Napoleon is mentioned, it, it's pretty freaking cool, especially Napoleon as narrated uh, by Tolstoy. So, in, in a couple of the battle scenes, in one in particular, uh, this soldier. Um, wants to get a good look at Napoleon. Uh, he's heard so much. He's this world historical actor. Um, Napoleon is in Russia. It's unbelievable. So the soldier hops on his horse and gets to the front of the camp, and he's super excited to see Napoleon. And then he dismounts, and he, he looks over the tents, and he sees Napoleon. But Napoleon is small, uh, unimpressive, uh, mumbling, um, Again, this is, you know, Russian history through Tolstoy 60, 70 years after the fact. Um, but it's still cool to kind of just, you know, get a sense of what it felt like to have Napoleon in a camp, you know. Uh, so it's, 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 it's pretty cool. Um, the third cool thing about the novel is um, it has one of my favorite scenes in literature, although I also said that last week about a scene uh, in my struggle, I don't care, whatever. Um, it goes something like this, and of course I'm paraphrasing, is that there's two um, wealthy kind of noblemen 
um, who go for a walk on a Tuesday afternoon in Russia and they get to the top of the hill and they look down and, and one of the, the noblemen is, is rather smart and one of them is clearly not. Um, and the not smart version uh, looks down the hill and he sees a bunch of you know men, women and children working, toiling in the fields. And he says to the smarter gentleman, you know, isn't it amazing? Isn't it crazy how those folks down there just have to work all day long and, you know, break their backs, put in all this toil in this cold autumn day while you and I sit around, you know, moneyed doing nothing. And he thinks what he's saying is so intelligent. And he looks over to the smart gentleman and the gentleman, and he looks back at him and he says, is this the first time you ever had that thought? Those thoughts have never occurred to you. Um, and just kind of something about that conversation captures, um, a lot of the human experience, uh, at least for me. Um, so let's get to the point. Should you read War and Peace before you die? Um, I'm going to say no. And I know that sounds, you know, it sounds crazy, but especially because I just listed some th three pretty cool things about the book. Um, but here are the reasons why it's kind of a waste of time. Like I said, it's 1,296 pages long in my edition with really small font. Um, the war parts are fairly cool, though, again, they're really detailed. They flirt with this notion of the essay. Um, in the peace parts, I found myself skipping long paragraphs at a time, which I, which I hate to do. I'm usually pretty disciplined about reading every word. Um, interestingly, like no characters really kind of are in the com are, are kind of in the cultural experience, uh, you know, a century and a half later, like other books, like whether it's uh, Raskolnikov um, have a main character like Anna Karenina or Ishmael or, you know, um, Leopold Bloom, where the, you know, the characters are kind of in the cultural experience even today, but something about War and Peace, like who's the most famous character from War and Peace? I, I, I don't even know. Um, maybe Napoleon himself, but he's definitely in a supporting role, you know, all the generals and, and then the folks during the peacetime, like none of them are really talked about today. And I don't remember many of them. Um, there's a little bit of like social palace entry, like a criminology going on during the peace sections that, you know, it just doesn't really like stand the test of time. Um, if I, you know, again, it's super duper long. If you wanted to tackle a like, really big important book you know i think there are several options just kind of to name a few i would say you know moby dick is shorter and pound for pound better uh thomas pynchon's basin and dixon um absalom absalom by faulkner um uh virginia wolves orlando magic mountain by thomas mann um ulysses um that's just, you know, in, in fiction itself, I could probably think of some others, even uh, Crime and Punishment and Anna Karenina, Anna Karenina by Tolstoy himself. That's just like a better book. Um, uh, War and Peace, uh, you know, the title isn't kind of the popular imagination, um, but I feel like the work uh, is not. Um, I probably will, will not reread this book. Um, I feel like I got it once and, and that's enough. Um, it was certainly a slog. I thought about quitting uh, many times. I think it took me about a year to read the book, which again, I don't do. I don't usually kind of read other books within it, which which is what happened. Um, it just, you know, 
it was cool to check that box um, to figure out if other folks for read it. But um, I think the answer for this one is a pretty, uh, pretty solid no. So that's all I got for this week. I uh, did this one by myself. I have some other shows in the hopper. If you have some ideas or some books that you feel super strongly about, uh, either thumbs up or thumbs down, please, uh, you know, hit me up. At, we'll, we'll lay down an episode together. Um, all right, thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.